You're listening to the Soakin' Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soakin' Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me are Jason Leo. And I'm Jace Drayson, who's here to talk about all the coolest things we can think of. Hello, and I'm Leo, also here to bring you some podcast awesomeness. It's going to be fun. Speaking of the coolest things that we can think of, today we're going to be returning to our podcast's roots, and in doing so, we're going back to a galaxy far, far away. That means a whole lot of Star Wars talk this episode. Tell me, boys, has the Force been with you since last week? Always. <laughs> so, um, we talked a little bit in the last podcast about how um, Jason and I have a long-standing disagreement about Star Wars. So There's an inequity. Prepared, we've prepared a little skit for you. This is how the typical conversation about Star Wars goes. Action. Hey, Leo. Did you hear about the newest Star Wars thing? Looks like it's going to be really cool. Man, Star Wars is dead. No, 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 not this thing, Leo. This particular thing I'm super excited and stoked about. Ugh. And scene. And scene. <laughs> the Force has been with me always. <laughs> well, okay, so... It's not all bad. I mean, uh, in, in a lot of the research, I found some really cool stuff and, and have experienced some really cool stuff. I'm stoked to talk about this today. Yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan from way, way back. My entrance into the Soken community, along with many, many others, was certainly the Star Wars Guild, and I was a Knight of Soken. So this really is a, a wonderful return to the roots of what at least brought me into Soken. Today we're going to be covering the Baby Yoda, I mean the Mandalorian, Jedi Fallen Order, and Kathleen Kennedy's position at Lucasfilm. Baby Yoda and his T-Visor father figure have taken the internet by storm and for many who have lost faith in the Star Wars franchise since relit the flames of fandom. With a thriving Mandalorian RP guild on our roster, a lot of us in Soken have put real research into figuring out Mandalorian culture. Ever since Disney's canon began, Mandalorians have been heavily undervalued. Until now. Do you think that this show is going to give the Mandalorians more lore coverage like the Jedi and Sith have? But let's be frank, it really already has in huge, big, ginormous ways. Uh, Mandalorian lore is hugely based in legends in in a lot of way now now it has been fleshed out to a certain degree in uh say rebels um to a little more maybe in clone wars a little bit but the whole this is the way like that is some foundational lore that we have already received just from the first i don't know four or five episodes of of the mandalorian so in in a very big way it has already given us a huge foundation for for what it means to be a mandalorian um the one episode i don't know if, how, if we're go, how deep in spoilers we're going but the the several episodes actually have, have given us little bits and pieces of mandalorian ep, uh, lore and pointed back to some legends lore which is really kind of cool but the whole thing of um uh, of the beskar armor 
and the them sticking together when they're in kind of exile like the, there's some really foundational mando stuff here and i will let me just as an aside say i have noticed that our mando guild the voice channel has just kind of blown up <laughs> in the past few weeks so i'm thinking it's generating some excitement across the community which is a fantastic thing yeah i agree um i i think that the Mandalorians are one of those elements of Star Wars lore that has always been kind of a fan favorite. Um, you know, ever since Boba Fett graced people's screens, people were curious and what in the world is this? And, you know, as, as the, as the audience has gotten a taste of it, I think it's really cool to watch how even writers and creators don't always anticipate what's going to be a fan favorite. And this is one of those um, one of those elements of, of Star Wars production that I think really is a nod to what the fans find interesting and what the fans really want more of. And I love that fans are finally getting it. Um, the the lore behind the Mandalorians, seeing it fleshed out on the screen, is fantastic, and I'm I'm really excited to see more. The the fact that yeah, it's also helping. Um, garner interest in in our little in our little super nerd culture in um, rp guilds uh, in video games is just such a huge boon uh, to us i'm i'm really excited to see how things progress getting off of what you said earlier jace uh, with incorporating legends lore let's take a brief aside uh, the mandalorian as well as lucasfilm's other television series such as the clone wars rebels have been the biggest mediums of incorporating Legends lore into the new Disney canon. Is there anything else from Legends you guys are hoping to see made canon soon? So, there's a lot of really cool stuff in um, Legends lore. Um, and there are a lot of, I think, really iconic characters that people are really excited to see play a part. Um, frankly, while those cool characters are awesome and I'm I'm totally for um, seeing them be included. What I really liked in uh, in, in some of the um, extended stories has been the extra galactic challenges or extra galactic enemies that um, that faced you know our heroes and even our villains. Um, I was I was doing a lot of reading and and uh, I, I I happened to pick up. Some stuff about the Yuzan Vong. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but they're a really fascinating creature that, um, or race, that came into the galaxy from another place, um, killed trillions of people. I mean, just horribly powerful and um, threatening creatures that really put a lot of the challenges and uh, they even. Uh, they even made the threat of the Empire seem uh, weak and small by comparison. And I think that would be really, really cool to explore uh, in, in the future. Funny thing about the Yuzon Vong is that a lot of Star Wars fans, Star Wars purists, really hated them. They hated the introduction of that into the, the culture of Star Wars. Now, this was pre-Disney. This is all expanded universe time, and many, many, maybe previous listeners to the podcast know that I was a an avid reader of the extended universe books. I mean, I, there probably isn't one I haven't missed. I, I read even the really crappy ones. 
I I actually really did enjoy the Yuuzhan Vong storyline. It spanned several books and actual several series, several trilogies of books, because it added real stakes to the um, to the universe that were that were a lot bigger than just the in-universe stuff, which felt it, 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 at that time when you were reading it, felt it made the other big challenges seem really small because the Yuuzhan Vong were so um pervasive and yeah, just viral totally. so it really was a great story to read for me at the time plus some of the characters that we loved died in those books that was during that time Chew chewbacca died ben solo i'm sorry ben skywalker no 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 my, my bad anakin solo <laughs> the new movies and the old anakin solo who was a character that doesn't exist in the canon now but who was an original uh, extended universe legends character died in the yuzon vong yuzon vong invasion so there were a lot of just really impactful things that happened to me as a reader and a fan of star wars during that period i absolutely loved it one of the thing there were several the sad thing to me about as a fan of the extended universe is that with the advent of the new movies a lot of the things that were the extended universe cannot happen a lot of the legends that were created cannot happen because they have been wiped from the map by what has transpired in universe i hope that they can glean some of the cool stuff and put it in universe they have done that with say grand admiral thrawn who is nothing like or exists completely out of time from his original iteration as he's been introduced into actual canon i'm glad they used him awesome character but he's not exactly he doesn't exactly fit how he originally was. I would love it if they would do that with some of the other characters. Kip Duran, as a reader of the Legends, was one of my absolute favorite characters. He was a, a basically a dark side tempted fallen Jedi, super powerful. He was redeemed by Luke Skywalker and brought into the Jedi Praxium after it's a after the um, heir to the Empire series. Really, really cool character. I would love it if they. They pulled him in. Camp Saul, you saw, was another one. And then everybody's favorite, Kyle Katarn. It'd be great if some of those characters could maybe be reshaped or recreated and fit into the new canon. I would personally love it. Mara Jade. Mara Jade. But here's the deal with Mara Jade. This is what I'm talking about, about things that can't work. They now can no longer make Mara Jade a thing. Because... Her in, her connection to the whole universe was Luke Skywalker. We already knew know Luke's story now. They have given us his middle and end, and Mara was not a part of it. Now, I suppose they could try to fill in the blanks a little bit. I would actually love it if um, they would do maybe a Luke Skywalker middle of his life movie, and they could cast... What's the guy who's Winter Soldier? What's that guy's name? I can't think of it. He, he looks kind of like... Um, uh, like Luke Skywalker, he could play it. But if they, I guess they could squeeze it in. But Sebastian Stan, that's who it is. It'd be great if they did a Luke Skywalker movie with Sebastian Stan and they squeezed in Mara Jade somehow. But Mara Jade Skywalker now can't really be a thing because we know how that story ends with Luke, and she's not there unless they kind of squeeze it in. I, 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 she is one of my favorites too, and it is sad that that we may we most likely will not have her. I, I have a great idea for what could be done to fill in the gaps uh, from. Luke Skywalker's life. I think maybe episode 7 could cover that. Alright, let's get back to the Mandalorians after that aside. Um, and talk about the most iconic Star Wars character from the new canon of this decade, the child. Or as he's better known, Baby Yoda. Do you think this character will actually be related to one of the two creatures of his species we've seen so far, or perhaps a clone? Or do you have alternate theories? So my, my favorite theory 
is uh, the meme <laughs> that I've seen that has uh, the Jedi Council talking and asking Yoda what he got up to, <laughs> and then the thought bubble of Yoda coming up with the uh, gremlin with the purple wig and the pink boa, in <laughs> <laughs> Yoda closing his eyes and saying something to the effect of, hmm, mistakes I have made. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. There's There are perhaps things that they could do. I There's a big, big part of me that hopes that they just keep baby Yoda, or the child, completely separate from Yoda. There's a really, really big part of me that does. There's kind of a sanctity to Yoda. Um, we know he shows up as a force ghost later on in the saga. At the time of Mandalorian, Yoda is already dead. So the, uh, the, I really want them to kind of leave Yoda alone <laughs> and not tie the child to him. However, we know that the Emperor is coming back in, epi in Episode 9. However they bring the Emperor back or extended his life or resurrected him, they potentially could say some which how that that the child is somehow in that same... Man, who knows? Who knows how they bring him back? I don't have a theory about it personally, but my hope is they just keep that completely separate from Yoda. Just let him be of the same species. Certainly, I would love to learn more about Yoda's species. It's always been a huge, fat mystery for some reason. Um, George Lucas really wanted Yoda's species to remain mysterious. Um, I would like to keep some of that allure, perhaps, uh, and then just give us little bits and pieces about why that species is as powerful in the force as they seem to be but really i would prefer the, the child not to be related to yoda in any way see i kind of like the idea of the child being related to yoda um i think if this actually is a child of yoda this for lack of a better term humanizes yoda and i know he's not a human but it gives yoda a little bit more depth and more dimensions as opposed to just uh you know a, a jedi master a force user like he is he's there's more to him um and it could even be you know i know that that that's big no-no for jedi but actually no that's the physical aspect that's fine but the the idea that um yoda potentially had somebody that he cared for and I think having a kid, I, I don't know, I think that's a lot of depth to Yoda that would be really cool to explore. I also think the Mandalorian, if it's going to have some connective tissue to Star Wars, while being set in the universe is awesome, um, there does tend to be some cool connective tissue. Even Rogue One that was set aside from Force user and whatnot, it was still tied directly to the Death Star. Um, I think that kind of connective tissue is... It's important, um, even if for nothing more than nostalgia's sake. So I, I kind of dig that element. I mean, that was probably the most disturbing part. Okay, so first off, huge fan of Baby Yoda. I want to order everything online that I can find about it. They really were short-sighted and not, did not have Baby Yoda toys ready for Christmas. Epic fail on the marketing department. Just, wow, no kidding. That surprises me. Yeah, huge, Disney. huge, huge. Disney They're not going to come out mistakes. Something. Right, huge fail. Anyway, that said, the fact that there's... A baby Yoda mean that Yodas do sex, and nobody really wants to see that. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yodas shouldn't do it. <laughs> well, but there are other elements, I think, to uh, 
to consider. I mean, Yoda's race is supposed to be very rare, potentially even going extinct. And there are other examples of um, of Jedi who have had children for that reason. And possibly, you know, Yoda could be among them. He could be doing it out of, you know, a, a, a sense of necessity. Moving on. Why do you <laughs> Sorry. <think> Sorry, T. <laughs> Why do you think Lucasfilm has finally chosen to show us more of Yoda's species? Oh man, D cell. That's my answer. Um, I think that they, the the fact that they needed a huge win necessitated a big risk. The big risk was the penultimate moment of Episode One of Mandalorian sucked all of us in. The Mandalorian was kind of cool up to that moment, but that last moment where you saw that little baby Yoda, bruh. You had me at like that. Here's funny. Here's a funny story. So the day that the Mandalorian came out, I think it came out like at 6 a.m. that day. I was I got to work at eight, and I already had a message from Mullen, who's you know the obviously the the one of the community executive officers, and he says, "Please tell me you've watched the Mandalorian episode one." He'd already watched that mess. It hadn't been out two hours. It was morning time, right? So and I was like, "Didn't." didn't it just come out he was like sorry i had an emotional moment at the end <laughs> that gets to us that baby yoda was a money shot and ultimately i think that the reason that they lifted the veil allowed us to have some yoda moments was really to say star wars is still win here's your gold come have a happy moment this is your new show yeah i I think the folks behind The Mandalorian understand what it is that Star Wars fans are asking for yeah. and what Star Wars fans are looking for. And so even the, the just the whole concept of exploring Mandalorian lore and culture, that's already an indication that they are doing this as a fan service. The fact that they tossed in Baby Yoda, and I had the same kind of reaction. When I saw it, it was even after I had seen all the memes and, you, you know, and I watched it and I was like, oh, man, Baby Yoda. It was impactful for anybody who has had a connection to Star Wars in almost any way. And so this is clearly a demonstration that the folks who are responsible for The Mandalorian know what they're doing when it comes to serving the fans. And they want to do that. And they're being empowered to do that. Yeah, uh, just as another quote, I pulled up my Discord while you were talking. Mullen, one of the things he, he texted me during that time, Jace, dot, 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 prepare yourself, hashtag tears. <laughs> so he's all in on it. Um, important to note, John Favreau, who is pretty instrumental in birthing the MCU, um, is obviously a, a big impact producer, director, uh, a creator for the Mandalorian these people know how to please the fans and I think one of the things that might be missing from some of the other Star Wars material is might this <laughs> this fan it's not just fan service it's a fan honoring it makes you feel like um, the the building blocks of the, the fantasy life of my childhood have um, resounding lasting effects into my adulthood and they know how to touch those notes to pull you into the, that nostalgia later on and not in a way that feels just real um that feels kind of patronizing but in a way that makes you feel like everything means something he's really good yeah. at that 
and I think that's what they are succeeding with in in Mandalorian. There are if you look at some of the videos, YouTube videos about the Easter eggs in Mandalorian, it ain't no joke. It is lovingly placed into the universe that we all grew up with. And you know, even like I saw a little uh, a little blurb. What you know the in A New Hope when. Uh, they are getting smashed in the trash compactor, and they have that metal bar that they're trying to brace it to keep. If you look on the in, um, I think it was on Navarro. There's one of those exact bars standing up in one of the alleyways. Like the the technology, they they literally created that piece of our nostalgia, a piece of our childhood, to just be a set piece. That's a lovingly created set dressing. Yep, and I think that speaks to not only the intentions of the creators of the show but it speaks to their caliber i mean it's it's so well done and it's so nuanced and detail oriented and focused on the things that matter to the folks who are really invested in the the, the star wars mythos that these are folks that need to be lauded for their efforts Speaking of things that have been implemented that are new and things that call back to older times, uh, this show has introduced the concept of Mandalorian signets, which seem to be a beast or enemy that they've killed in order to earn their place as a member of their clan. What do you guys think your signet would be if you were a Mandalorian? Ahalisco Changa. What? Ahalisco Changa. It's a chimichanga at a local restaurant. It's the biggest thing you can possibly eat there, and it's covered in cheese dip. And I have conquered that mother effer. <laughs> so um, I was trying to think of something witty to say here as well. And so I think my signet would be perhaps my youth and optimism. Get it? Because I'm a, I'm a cynical old man now. Oh, thanks. Now we're all depressed. Womp womp. I, if, if I was being genuine, I really, I don't know what my signet would be. Probably a chihuahua. Um, I recently lost to Chihuahua. Hallelujah, little Bees of Biddles. We love her. Um, I I love dogs, and I, I rescue them. So I feel like my signet wouldn't be as much about destroying them, but the salvation of the species of um, stray animals. Way to make it real, Jace. Sorry. Everybody has feelings. I don't. Mandalorian clan signets just a tax return form. <laughs> the Mandalorian is just over halfway through with a set of eight episodes for the first season of the series. We can't wait to see more of our helmet-wearing anti-hero gunslinging through the galaxy on his quest to find a decent daycare. If you're interested in Mandalorian roleplay in SWOTOR, head on over to SokinGaming.com slash Mando. Pedro Pascal for the win. Back on November 15th, Respawn and EA East Jedi Fallen Order to the public and wowed gamers everywhere with a gripping, action-packed Star Wars RPG with no multiplayer and so far, no loot boxes. Do you guys think this is EA's big turnaround after the Battlefront 2 debacle? That's a big statement. I don't know if it's EA's big turnaround. I kind of alluded, I think, in the in episode one about how I think it is a certainly a step in the right direction, especially for EA managing Star Wars properties. 
but I have to give them very high marks <laughs> in Fallen Order. So it, not just in terms of no, not making it a an EA money grab type game because they have a you know a reputation for for doing that, but also or primarily just for making a fantastic single player Star Wars experience. So the yes, absolutely, they have won big big marks for me personally. I did not pre-order the game because I've promised myself never to pre-order another EA game, but this has moved me back into the camp of hey, these guys can sometimes do good stuff. So, I get to reprise my role as Resident Cynic yet again. So, the game is not bad. However, it's not great. I mean, it's an okay game. Um, I think what we're finding is Star Wars fans are so accustomed to terrible games that when an okay one comes out, that is set in the Star Wars landscape, people flock to it and people say, this is an example of what we want. However, comparing it to, let's say The Witcher 3, a similar game released four years ago, it has so much more to it than this one does that it's, it's kind of a sad state of things where a game that is and granted my my pc purist um, comes out in me here but it's clearly a console game that's been ported to pc um it's it's meant for a controller trying to play it with a keyboard and mouse like the pc master race does makes for a clunky and um late to respond experience um the maps are linear you just have to follow the path given to you. Um, there's no strategy before a fight. Um, you just run in and fight. Um, there's no customization of your character. Uh, you follow the skills that you can put points in. And I found myself out of potential ability points with ability points to spend that I didn't have anything to spend them on because I was maxed out wherever I was. Um, it's... It's like playing Tomb Raider with a lightsaber. And it's, again, not a bad experience. It's just not a great game. It's okay. So I feel like we played totally different games. I'm not even sure that you're really talking about the exact <laughs> same game that I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> dang, where to start here? So first of all, you really can't compare Witcher, which personally I did not care for. How to, dare you? To this game. They're not the same genre. This is much more of an action action game with light RPG elements than it is an RPG game, whereas The Witcher is much more role-playing game oriented. So they're not the same genre. They're different game experiences. I would still prefer this Fallen Order over Witcher just because the, the Witcher did not appeal to me necessarily. But I think that another thing that's very uh, difficult to wrap my head around is the fact like just because something doesn't play as cleanly on a keyboard and a mouse doesn't mean it's not high quality the fact of the matter is a keyboard and a mouse were not made to play games it's made to do office work it's made to process words it's made to um you know do spreadsheets so the fact that those tools don't play a game the best that they possibly can is natural that's the way it's supposed to be it should be controllers were developed 
play a game. I personally don't use a controller. I use a gamepad and a game mouse, and I have a wonderful experience when I do that. There's a little bit of customization I have to do on the front end, but that's with any game I play because I do some key uh, key mapping just to make it easy for myself and, and less clunky across the board. Had I played with a controller, though, the controller is pre-optimized to actually play the game. It's not like I'm having to type my game because the typewriter is not intended to be a controller for games. It's intended to word process. So I think saying that typing your game is clunky is like, yeah, duh, don't type your game. Uh, okay. First of all, I don't have a typewriter, you old man. Okay, just to get that out of the way. But no, I, so a, a keyboard and mouse setup, it does allow for quite a bit more precision in most games, particularly those games that are not designed for a controller. I think, unfortunately, what you have is when games are designed with a controller in mind, they're designed in a particular way with usually clunky camera angles and really just um, more of a guided game. So I found myself in probably half a dozen instances throughout uh, throughout playing it. I haven't finished the game, so there could be cooler things. Now, the game is not without its high points, um, and, and I'm happy to I'm happy to express them. Um, but you're right, The Witcher, uh, particularly The Witcher 3, my favorite of, of the series, and uh, Jedi Fallen Order are different games. However, their elements are very, very similar. They're a, um, a third person, um, and I do think The Witcher is a very combat-centric game. It does have more RPG elements, um, but it's, it's very narrative-driven. Both games are. Um, they have interesting characters. There's a, there's a cool story. Um, uh, th there, there really are a lot of similarities between those games. My point of bringing it up was to say that a game like The Witcher 3, released four years ago, had so much more depth to it in terms of what you could do with that character and the way that the game was played, versus this rather um, simple hack and slash. Now, that's not to say Jedi Fallen Order is just hack and slash. There is more to it than that. Um, but the two games have so many elements that are so many similar elements. I think they, they deserve to, to be compared. Um, and I think the reason that Jedi Fallen Order is as simple as it is, is because it wasn't designed for a PC. Um, PCs can go into more depth with these games. Um, but when you're talking about console development, they're just not capable of it. So the PC games have to lag behind. And this, I think, is a perfect example of that. The elements of the game does well. It has interesting characters. I mean, uh, BD-1, is that the droid? BD-1? That is the droid. Is fantastic. Probably one of my favorite droids in the Star Wars franchise. Um, it is adorable. Um, the, the interesting character dynamics um, that I won't spoil... Um, but that you get to experience as the player really are interesting. The story is a fun one. Um, there are some really cool elements to it that make this uh, a plus in my book. It is a game worth playing, but I, I, there are some shortcomings to it. And I think, unfortunately, people are fawning over it just because they've been given such hot garbage for Star Wars games for so long. 
the producers in my ear telling me to move on but i feel like i must say one more thing the the game plays to me very much like the batman arkham series there is a timing and dance to the combat there is you have to know when to parry when is the appropriate time to use this ability when is not the right time to use it there is there is an intricacy to it that actually i found very very deep and fulfilling but now we can move on last word now we can move are you guys good Yes, I feel fulfilled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as an RPR, I will tell you that I will type my video games if I want to. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but talking about story, the story of Fallen Order takes place after the fall of the Jedi and the rise of the Empire. We haven't seen a canon story about a Jedi in this time period since Rebels, and before that, not since the original trilogy. How do you feel about returning to a Jedi story like this? Personally, I would not mind returning to a story like this over and over and over again. How many Jedi existed at the moment that Order 66 was implemented? Who knows? Um, it would not hurt me at all to see many, many, many of the stories of those Jedi that are turned on by their clone, trooper, clone troopers and see what happened. Even the ones that end up losing their lives. It's a very interesting time. This is The, the Purge is a period to me that I think... It can easily be mined for fantastic stories of Jedi and fallen Jedi and gray Jedi who have obviously the order is over and what's happening with them. Where did they go? Where did they hide? How did they cope? Um, Cal Kestis story is just but one and it would not hurt my feelings at all to see many, many more of them. In fact, I have to say, I really enjoyed the story of Rebels. Um, Ezra's story, Kanan Jarrah's story, also known as Kittle Dume. Like those things are those are great stories to know. Those people that live un lived under that oppression, there's something that resonates within people to hear the tales of of people who are oppressed and how they survived or didn't survive or how their legacy um, existed past past them. So I felt really great about it. Yes, um, as much as I hate to agree with Jace, uh, I do. Uh, I think. Um, I had spoken in the last episode about how much I like stories about just the normal person in a crazy world like this and how they survive. Cal comes across even as a normal person. Cal is still having to figure out how to survive and Cal is um, getting back in touch with his connection to the Force throughout the game. And you get to experience that with him. And that is a really cool story. I'm also a super fan of apocalyptic stories um the uh, i cannot get enough and i know that it's played out but i cannot get enough of zombie apocalypse oh, kinds uh... of stories they are they're candy for me i will eat them up regardless of how fat they make me and the reason i like them is because i like to see exactly what this story showed which is desperate people trying to figure out how to survive and trying to figure out how to make the most of a really terrible situation particularly when all methods of uh, normal support and normal um, infrastructure are gone and that's what this did it was so awesome to experience that with these characters that is the kind of flying by the seat of your pants sitting on the edge of your chair and barely figuring out how you're going to get through the next day 
uh, kind of story that really keeps me coming back. And I agree, there's so much potential for these kinds of stories. The Purge is easily one of the most interesting and tragic elements of the Star Wars universe that really should have more stories about it. If you'd like more of a poncho-wearing hero to balance out your Beskar, Jedi Fallen Order is available now on Xbox, PlayStation 4, and PC. Get a controller. PC Master Race. A little while ago, Rolling Stone interviewed the president of Lucasfilm's Kathleen Kennedy about ending the Skywalker saga of Star Wars and where the franchise would go next. This interview has lived in infamy among Star Wars fans ever since, due to the quote, There's no source material. We don't have comic books. We don't have 800-page novels. While she evidently meant that the story of the new trilogy has been almost entirely original, Fans are up in arms about the complete dismissal of years and years of Legends lore. Is the fa- anger from the fan base warranted, do you think? So, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> A thousand times yes. Um, I get where she was coming from with that answer. But I think fans have been frustrated at way more than that quote. But I think that quote kind of summed up where a lot of fans feel, or sorry, it summed up what a lot of fans feel about Kathleen Kennedy's approach to their baby, which is Star Wars. It feels like she doesn't love it. It feels like she just doesn't care. Um, The opposite of what the creators of The Mandalorian uh, have done. So I think fans reacting to that quote they're really reacting to the greater mm, saga of Kathleen Kennedy and how this quote feels to them so anger is a feeling and everyone has a right to their feelings (laughs) so warranted is a tough word when you're talking about a feeling I, I think that we must recognize the feelings of the fans and how they how they are reacting to that comment and others but at the same time as a huge fan of the extended universe as i have previously just announced to everyone i do understand that what i understand what she was saying a, a lot of the extended universe could not be filmed because the cast was too old they they had to they had to find a story that fit narratively as well as within the real world so the choice was 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 one of two choice one we recognize lore the extended universe as canon and then we progress from there choice two we wipe the slate clean and decide what's happening with these characters now they made a choice and i can respect the choice even as a fan of very much of the extended universe uh, I have a hard time saying people shouldn't be mad because like you can't tell someone they can't be mad. Feelings feelings just happen. We don't know where they come from. They just occur. But I, I, I certainly understand as a business person who had just bought what it was a $4 billion property that a choice had to be made. And as the the, the kind of head, the, the, the tip of the spear for Lucasfilms, she had to make a call. 
and really it was left or right and she she called right when evidently much of the fan base wished she had gone left perhaps no she called wrong <laughs> we discussed earlier how since the disney acquisition the they have canonized darth bane admiral thrawn and a lot of mandalorian culture that was previously empty however legends also as we've noted has a lot of stories that are a little out there do you think disney should be taking more from legends to canonize it I think there's plenty to glean from. I think Grand Admiral Thrawn is a fantastic ex example of how to do it right. In the original creation, uh, I think Timothy Zahn was the author of the Heir to the Empire series. It was a fantastic series to read, and it introduced Thrawn. In that particular iteration, however, it occurred after Return of the Jedi, and our famous heroes Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Leia, Organa Solo faced off against this Grand Admiral. Um, and he was a a member of the imperial remnant i believe as they called it and it was a great story but his character what one of the things that kind of note was notable about him was he would take the art of a culture he would examine their art and it would indicate to him their weakness or the way that they thought so that as a strategic genius he would know how then to defeat them so what they did was they took grand admiral thrawn that that art critic uh strategist and moved him back in time to between episodes three and four. So he's now prior to um, A New Hope. And they used him as a, an antagonist for the Rebels series. But they kept the, the kernel of the character pure. They, they still used those things about him that were really, really cool. The fact that he was Chiss, the fact that he was uh, the, the collector of art, the fact that he was just, a strategic genius. I think that's probably the way to do Legends lore justice. Um, the there is plenty of cool stuff like that all throughout uh, throughout the extended universe that they could glean from and pull into Star Wars, it, whether it's new movies or um, the new cartoon series, whatever they want to do, there's plenty of cool stuff that they genuinely could glean from and, and recreate in a way that still works within the, the the current canon or the current continuity. Yeah, I think the difference between what we're seeing with the sequel trilogy and what we saw in the extended universe is what seems to be a love of the franchise. Those who came up with those frankly amazing stories from the extended universe really did the universe justice what we have seen with the sequel trilogy is um an, an abandonment of previous star wars canon we've seen a contradiction of established star wars lore we've just seen weird stuff that um has has seemed to indicate that the creators of the material haven't been paying attention or ha don't have the same kind of love and appreciation that previous writers and previous authors of these works have had. Where I think they would go right in this is to take inspiration from those stories. What I think would be the wrong thing to do is to take characters like Thrawn and throw them into the wrong time period to put them in wrong circumstances it's what they've done with luke skywalker um where i think they could have rectified this change in skywalker is to justify it somehow 
they need to be able to explain how in the world these crazy distinctions or differences have happened. Um, we have just wound up in a world where everything is completely irrelevant. Uh, at least everything from the past is completely irrelevant. I would hate to see some of those really cool and iconic characters also be put in those similar positions where the awesome stories that they've had have been made irrelevant by whatever it is that becomes canon uh, since Disney decanonized all of that other cool stuff. I think it really should just come down to inspiration. I think the stories that exist there should be used as fodder um, or at least as in, um, the kind of structure to make good stories but new characters need to be created with it because i think in a lot of ways it dishonors those characters to simply throw them into situations that are in a lot of ways unearned um, or situations that are unwarranted there a couple things first of all it, it's a little unfair to say that the the new creators of the new the sequel trilogy are not fans jj abrams is a huge Star Wars nerd, huge Star Wars fan, and he did things with um, The Force Awakens that really did honor the original source material. For, for instance, using more practical effects and trying to make it look like A New Hope and, and, and those movies. So there really is some honoring that went on in that way. I will say too, though, that while you can pull from the great <laughs> or good, extended universe for good characters like Thrawn there is plenty of that crap that ought to be just cast to the side and, and flushed down the toilet um, Splinter in the Mind's Eye is an example it was a novel that came out very 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 early on in the life of Star Wars where things like um, a romantic a romantic relationship between Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa were explored obviously um, the the depths of their relationship had not re been revealed in film that kind of stuff should be cast aside there were stories where say han solo and chewbacca made an uh, uh, an ill-fated jump to planet earth and chewbacca is deemed to be bigfoot on planet earth he's the uh, the progenitor of the bigfoot um mythos here on planet earth like there's some really crap extended universe that has to be recognized for what it is um i think that the the smart producers pick what is good and and glean that into the continuity and then realize what is just really really bad and and either discount it ignore it or push it out for sure i and and i don't doubt jj's cred as a as a fan of star wars um i'm not sure that he was the right person for it um i think um mr mystery box i think mr lens flare um he's got a talent for a certain kind of movie um and he's got a talent for setting things up um that later are never answered or don't ever come to fruition or meet rather unsatisfying ends and i think um we got the abrams treatment with seven to eight um who's who's at fault i i, I you know, uh, I think we can point fingers at all of that stuff. I think that the decisions that were made were not the best ones. I think they would have been in a much better place had they adapted some of the extended universe stuff instead of remaking uh, Star Wars. 
And 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 I will I will be the first to admit that in a lot of ways the Force Awakens is a beat for beat or a spiritual remake of A New Hope. But yeah. honestly, I loved that. And I think that was JJ's way of saying I love you Star Wars. And I was cool with it. The Force Awakens I thought was a beat a movie. I was on board for what was happening. And you're right, he did set up a lot of things that ultimately I feel like Ryan Johnson did not feel like fulfilling it would have been fantastic to have jj helm the trilogy rather than just one in three of that trilogy but i i I honestly i was on board for where where he was going he does see science fiction science side a little differently than i do he he does um want to make story first rather than realism first and sometimes as a fan that frustrates me but i love jj and i love what he did with the force awakens so i don't know I'm, I'm on board for what he was trying to do and i'm i'm really excited for what he's going to do with episode nine i think that the rise of skywalker could perhaps be um the end of that love letter that he started in the force awakens maybe i'm i'm skeptical i i haven't seen so i think the complete abandonment of what had been accomplished and the state of the universe after episode six the fact that it was completely dissolved and we were back where we started, that needed to be addressed. There had to be an explanation for it, a flashback in anything. And the fact that none of the predicaments that any of the characters were in felt earned to me, everything that had been accomplished just felt dissolved. And I think that's where some of my heartburn for the JJ's interpretation of, you know, episode seven. I think that's where that comes from, is there was no effort to try and justify the position. We're just there. We're back at where episode four started for no real good reason. Some rumors have circulated about John Favreau or Kevin Feige taking over Lucasfilms in the future. Do you think Kathleen Kennedy ought to be replaced? Yes. Okay, so this is hard for me. <laughs> this is hard for me because Kathleen... I actually am not a Kathleen Kennedy hater at all. E.T., when I was a child, was my absolute very favorite movie. Very foundational for me as a child. I think that she has her hands and her production credits on a lot of really fantastic stuff. Some of the best-selling movies of all time have Kathleen Kennedy's fingerprint on them. So she's obviously a very talented producer, so I'm not going to bash her. However, anytime you bring up Kevin Feige's name, Little Jace has a moment of attention because i'm a huge fan of the mcu and the way that the connective tissue and continuity is really honored and loved through that whole storytelling experience i would really love it if some of that um (laughs) if some of that if (laughs) if some of that um kevin feige energy could be harnessed and then uh injected into the Star Wars universe. That 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 style of continuity that really is about fun but and heart really really does have a place in the Star Wars universe for me. So I don't necessarily want her to be replaced. I think Kathleen Kennedy is a fantastic producer. Has been for many, many decades. But <clears throat> Kevin Feige, I really don't know that I have much more respect for anyone else in Hollywood right now. So I think Kathleen Kennedy um has a lot of cred working with other really good producers. She worked with Spielberg and has really made a name for herself by working alongside giants. I have been 
less than impressed with what she's done with Lucasfilms. Um, there is a sordid history about the way she has managed her role. Everything from being put in her position to honor uh, George Lucas's vision and then not, um, to being the one responsible for not having an overarching theme for a trilogy of movies and putting different directors in place for each movie. I, I the, the staggering incompetence that it takes to make a decision like that, to me, is mind-blowing. Well, I don't know that it was incompetence. I don't think that's fair to say. I think even if you read the the Rolling Stone article, as we referenced at the beginning, it she she makes reference to the fact that look, in hindsight, JJ probably wishes he could have helmed the entire trilogy. JJ opted not to do that. I don't know that that was her choice. Sometimes business happens, and you got to make the best of it. Yeah. Um, I, I the, the fact she... of the matter is, George Lucas didn't direct the original trilogy. Like multiple directors doesn't necessarily mean a shot in the head. Right. She... But there needs to be there needs to be a single story, and she opted not to do that. And I, granted, George Lucas is a is a great visionary, and he's brilliant at world building. He happens to not be a good writer, and he happens to not be a good director. So I don't disagree with the decisions to not include him at those levels um, for. Uh, for for the sequel trilogy, um, I do think even some of the ideas I've heard he presented, I don't think it was the wrong call to not go with all of them. Um, I, I don't want to get into all that. However, the decisions she has made, yes, in hindsight they were terrible, but <laughs> I mean, I would imagine in foresight they were probably terrible too. Um, I get business needs to happen, and I get there are really large price tags uh, for these projects but not having a singular concept for a project like this is baffling um, and I also think there's a whole host of other issues um, that have occurred in these series there seem to be other agendas in place uh, rather than just making a good story there seems to be um, just a, a, a really fundamental disagreement between what actually makes a good story versus what we're getting and Kathleen Kennedy is at the helm of all of it. I think what cannot be discounted is the fact that she's she is still at the helm of some of the largest movies in the history of planet Earth. I mean, while while we can certainly nitpick the fact that the tales may not have unfolded as we had wished, the fact of the matter is she's still producing movies that are wildly successful. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I get what you're saying in in the in terms of the narrative feeling less than cohesive between the, the force awakens and the last Jedi. I will be the first to admit that there does seem to be a disconnect. My, my finger point is much more towards Ryan Johnson. I have much more blame towards him. The director of the film has a lot more say than the producer, the producer and the, and the studio certainly have, uh, have the reins on a macro scale. But when it comes to actually producing the art, You've got to give the director the the power to do what they want to do. And ultimately, the failures of that power fall with the director to me. I don't necessarily think that Kathleen Kennedy was to fail. She was signing the checks and kind of had this, this really far 
overarching, ultimately high level executive view of the story, Brian Johnson is the one who wanted to shake up the, the, the aquarium, and he did. He wanted to subvert our expectations. Right, that was Even his primary goal. Even if those goal. were to watch a good movie. Yes, she allowed him to do that, certainly, and I, I won't argue that point, but I think that that doesn't detract from the fact that she still makes very successful movies, and has since I was a small child. For sure, I, but she's responsible for putting Ryan Johnson in this, so I, 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 I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm not a fan of Ryan Johnson's take either, um, but she's the one who put him there, uh, and I think better decisions could have been made by a more mindful producer. Like, I think, I think that I just kind of wish JJ would have stayed the director of all the movies. <laughs> I think we'd have a more cohesive story that way, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, while many fans are unhappy with the quote, and with Kathleen Kennedy, let's not forget that Disney has been making a lot of money from the Star Wars films despite their critique, and that likely means Kennedy won't be going anywhere anytime soon. Not soon enough. <laughs> Well, it is that time again, gents. Tea time. This week we have a question submitted by DeSantis from the Knights of Soken. If you were put in charge of Lucasfilms and Disney gave you free reign over the Star Wars franchise, what would you do? Fire Kathleen Kennedy. <sighs> immediately. Not, no, that's not what I would do. I would immediately green light. I don't know if it would be a Disney Plus series, now that that's an option, or a movie trilogy of young Yoda. Why? Why? I want to know. I want to know Yoda as a Padawan 800 and some odd years ago. And I want to know then Yoda as a Jedi Knight. And then Yoda as a Jedi Master as he progresses. I saw an image one time on the internet that showed a young Yoda and it was just a really compelling image. Um, I have to say, in the viewing of the prequel trilogy, one of the highlights of the entire experience was when Yoda fought Count Dooku. Because up until that moment, we had only seen sort of a cane-wielding, decrepit Yoda who could barely carry himself. And instantly he became this, like, furry fists of fury uh, as he lightning, lightning <laughs> lightsaber-dueled Count Dooku. I would love to see more of that little fellow being uh, just a straight-up jank B.A. Jedi. Um, Alright. I apologize for laughing because that was rather compelling, and I agree with you. That would be a really cool story. Um, I just was going off the, the Baby Yoda meme, and I thought it was kind of funny. Um, I would fire Kathleen Kennedy, although I would have her job, so clearly she'd be she'd be gone um i'd probably fire her into the sun because you know, oh my god she deserves it then i would i'd bring in john favreau and i'd bring in dave filoni to completely rewrite episode nine and i would um if i wasn't fired or executed in the process i would just tell disney hey you're gonna have to give this some time we're gonna have to reshoot it we're gonna have to redo it um and I would rectify all of the nonsense that has occurred in episodes seven and eight. Episode seven was perfectly fine. I How guess this dare is, you? 
This How isn't a, a debate How session. I should just allow you to have your tea time opinion. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're gonna disagree over seven. I don't think it was as bad as eight. Um, eight is to me the worst Star Wars thing outside of the Christmas special. Ugh, dear lord. You had to acknowledge it? You know what's funny about the Christmas <laughs> special, though? That is the first time ever that um, the Mandalorian known as Boba Fett was fleshed out in any way whatsoever. I believe he wrote a dinosaur as a cartoon in that in that movie. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> yes, I have seen it. Uh, um, I've also seen the weird Wookiee smile. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> so, so um, if it was my world, that's what I would do. Um, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, make episode nine, make episode seven and eight not suck, and then let's have a good Star Wars conclusion. You're put in charge of Lucas Lucasfilm. Sounds a lot more like altering the space-time continuum. You can't undo yeah. time. Look, if Jean-Luc Picard can, no, 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 that's not space-time. He's continuum. coming. He's that's coming. I can't wait. <laughs> I have my terms wrong. Uh, if if Superman can fly backwards around the orbit of the Earth a few times and mess with the space-time continuum. If I'm in charge of Lucasfilms, I can do this too. Okay. That's a leap, but okay. They're equally unlikely, is what he's saying. <laughs> yes, they are equally <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> Alright, if you'd like to submit a tea time question for the podcast, head on over to SokinGaming.com slash SokinMedia and find the submission bar on the right side of the page. Thank you for joining us today, everyone. For more, visit us at gaming.com slash SokinMedia, follow our Twitter at SokinGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. I've been Jace Drayson the whole time. I was and am and will continue to be Leah. And we'll see you next week. Stay classy, Sokin. Thank you for listening to the Sokin Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Sokin Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokingaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?